Just when in disgrace with fortune in men's eyes, I all alone bore my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him. How's that level for I'm you, gonna, I'm going to include that. I'm <laughs> totally going to include that because we are recording. Nice. <laughs> Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist the weekly show where we speak with a range of art world players. That's Sebastian Goldspink. And look, regular listeners would know, I normally put an interesting or thoughtful quote from my guests at the start of the show. And it's not that Sebastian didn't say anything that was interesting or thoughtful. On the contrary, he said lots of those things. It's more so that I thought it just set the tone really nicely because Sebastian is one of the most open and friendly art world people I've met. He has a huge wealth of knowledge and generously shares his experience. I call Sebastian an art world champion because he's such a fantastic champion of the art world. After an acting career left Sebastian wanting, side note, he was in heartbreak high for any 80s babies, he redirected his efforts towards art. And from very humble beginnings as a volunteer at the Biennale in Sydney, Sebastian is now the curator of the Adelaide Biennial launching in March 2022. And closer to home here in Sydney, he's the person responsible for opening a new gallery in Sydney's eastern suburbs, the Wallara Gallery at Redleaf, arguably one of the most idyllic gallery locations you'll ever see. In today's episode of Interview with an Artist, we talk about a range of things, including the roots and evolution of curation and how Sebastian sees it relating to him. We talk about how his approach to opening the Wallara Gallery now how he's gone about selecting the artists to show, and importantly, his advice to artists trying to get their work into galleries. Stay across Sebastian's work by following the social media channels of the Art Gallery of South Australia, or the Wallara Gallery, or even his own personal account, Sebastian Goldspink. Enjoy meeting the glorious Sebastian Goldspink. Sebastian Goldspink. Thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist. How are you? Very good. I, I, I thank you very much, uh, Wilhelmina. I feel like a little bit of an interloper in the sense that um, that I'm, I'm not a uh, you know specifically an artist, but I'm um, I'm glad to be here. You are not an artist, but that is the beauty of season two. In that, where every fourth episode is with an industry expert or an industry leader. And now you are opening a new gallery here in Sydney. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Before we get to that, let's. can you give us a little high-level overview of Sebastian Goldspink art career? Art career. Yeah. Well, I guess um, uh, for me, um, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to sort of grow up around art and my mum was really into art. And so art, art had always been there. I had a, a, a career when I finished school for, for, for many years as an actor and working in the film industry. Um, but during that whole time, I was always like going to exhibitions, always, you know, interacting with art and engaging with art. And then it sort of, I sort of came to this kind of uh, like almost like a Jerry Maguire moment where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to change careers and I want to do something else. And um, my idea was that, you know, I, I would go into art, you know, that that was what I, you know, had always sort of been in the back of my mind. I was always very jealous of my friends that went to art school. I went to acting school and I was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So um, 
I, uh, I started off uh, volunteering for the Biennale of Sydney. So I started off as a volunteer yep. um, and then uh, eventually got a job working on the floor at the MCA as what, what was called a visitor service officer there, um, which was fantastic because uh, you're on the floor in the exhibitions and sort of uh, I really just spent my time uh, talking to people about the artworks, but also just really spending time looking at how people navigated the exhibitions. And I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to talk to a lot of the curators there, people like Rachel Kent, um, who's still a you know senior curator at uh, MCA, about the shows and have this kind of dialogue, which was, it was like going to curator school for me. Like it really was an incredibly... Um, beneficial experience. So that's sort of where I started out. Yeah. Um, after spending some time there, I um, I sort of, uh, all my friends were kind of artists and I had this idea that I might start my own space and, and start to put some of those kind of curatorial ideas uh, in action. So in 2011, I started um, an artist-run space called uh, Alaska Projects, which was in the uh, basement of the King's Cross car park. Uh, Literally in the car park. Yeah, yeah, like right, <laughs> right in the basement, and it's um yeah I've told the story many times, yeah. but um how, how it sort of came about was my brother used to park his car there, and um, there was this weird room, um that was like clearly disused. It was kind of carpeted. There was a desk and a phone set up, and we could peer into it, and there was a leak, so there was water coming from the roof, and actually foliage had started to grow up. Um, from the carpet. So it was like the definition of, oh, of disuse. Um, <laughs> the building was owned by the, the city of Sydney. And at that time, the city of Sydney, you know, was doing a lot of projects about sort of activating um, spaces. And uh, we approached them to open um, a space and um, and they let us, which was incredible. And uh, it led to sort of, you know, a decade of activity um, focused around that particular space, but also interstate and uh, internationally. We really used it as like a, a launch pad to start to do shows. And, um, um, you know, our stats are sort of like, you know, we did like 100, 150 shows, wow. kind of 600 artists, um, yeah, sort of all over the world, which was which was amazing. And it was really at this very kind of foundational thing of working with, um, working with uh, emerging artists. Um, yeah. But what was interesting is it sort of coincided with a you know a really bad period in the art market in the in the wave of the financial crisis and um, a lot of artists who were showing at commercial galleries were sort of I guess getting restrictions from their galleries about the type of work that they could show. There was a real kind of impetus for them to make sellable work and okay. you know sort of to come out of the slump. Um, and we sort of offered this strange space where we didn't mind like people could do experimental work or okay. work not for sale or. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, kind of through fortune, we had a lot of people that had no business showing in um, the basement of a car park, um, showing in the basement of a car park. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because they had the freedom to do creatively what they wanted. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That is awesome. And so, okay, so from Alaska. Yeah. To. To now. Yeah. So, um. Uh, I guess Alaska got a lot of attention and it sort of increased my my kind of networks and and, and working with people. Um, so um, I've done a you know a bunch of different projects. I've always worked um, in the industry alongside you know running a space like that. So uh, working for other organisations like Art Month and um, a lot of organisations that are sort of charged with supporting artists and sort of promoting um, really kind of. Um, um, organic kind of interaction with art. I'm a big believer that 
that you know we really need to sort of open the doors to art and really kind of you know welcome people in uh, rather than keeping things closed so I do a lot of conversations I do a lot of talks um, I do a lot of interviews with artists just to just to sort of promote that kind of dialogue I think there's this strange perception amongst people that someone like myself like a curator can walk into any exhibition in the world and completely understand all the context like I can walk into a museum in Belgium and go, oh, this is about the death of Ferdinand Marcos. I can see that, you know, like, and of course <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, yeah. we, we all need context and yeah. context is such an important uh, thing. Yeah. Um, so recently I was appointed as the curator of the 2022 Adelaide Biennial of Australian Art at yeah. the Art Gallery of South Australia, which Congratulations. is- Congratulations, that's you. awesome. Yeah, so that's coming up uh, this time next year. Okay. And in some ways that feels like a real, um, real amazing project to do sort of at the end of this this kind of creative decade that I've been through, yeah, which has been um, this wild kind of journey um, grounded in working directly with artists and in sort of in a very um, almost kind of like gonzo kind of manner, like to take something from journalism, like working directly with them, yeah. you know, um, helping them realise works, you know, yeah. really being kind of involved. Um, so this is, um, yeah, an incredible kind of celebration of that and I'm really – uh, excited about it. It's, it's sort of this time next year. So to 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 put put it in perspective, and um, yeah, really enjoying um, yeah, thinking thinking on that kind of scale. Yeah. Um, both in terms of you know the number of artists, but also to the size of the spaces is is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm also concurrently working on a uh, a new gallery for Sydney, which is an exciting thing. That which is will, so exciting. Yeah, which will generate <laughs> once again a lot of opportunities uh, for artists. Uh, so it's the Wallara Gallery at Redleaf, um, yep. which is located um, just up the hill from from Double Bay next to the Wallara Council Chambers. Is it the old library building? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the yeah. old Wallara Library, which is a really, you know, important place to uh, a lot of uh, people who, you know, grew up in that area. Yeah. They often went there after school and did homework. But um, it's a really fantastic initiative by the Wallara Council to to sort of, you know, um, amplify art and culture in the area. And it will act as sort of as a hub to kind of galvanise um, that area as a sort of artistic destination. And, and, and it really is. I mean, the Wallara kind of LGA has the highest concentration of commercial galleries in the country uh, and, wow. of course, has an incredible kind of history um, through, you know, people like uh, Margaret Ollie and Martin Sharp and, yeah. you know, all these all these incredible artists that have lived in that area and taken kind of inspiration from that area. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's also happening as well. So that role, I was interested, you said before, you know, you're a curator. I feel like the role you have at the Willara Gallery at Redleaf, in my mind, it's like part curator, part business manager, part administrative executive would that be fair to say yeah i mean i i think it is i i take a really broad kind of view of curation like to me um i think that some people think um that a curator you know sort of turns up late with a coffee and sort of stands in the middle of a big empty gallery and says put that painting there but the reality of (laughs) 
reality of being a curator is, you know, uh, so much about everything else. It, yeah. it is really about um, relationships, um, you know, working with artists, working with institutions. It's part producer, it's part writer, it's part facilitator, it's part administrator. Yeah. All of these things go in. But to me, it's always about the final goal, which is presenting, you know, um, dynamic exhibitions that that audiences interact with and ultimately care about. You know, that's that's the end goal. But really, um, the exhibition is like, you know, that athlete in that, you know, in the Olympics for the hundred meters, you know, and the, you know for the next nine point seven seconds of their life, um, but they've spent, you know. Like There's four years before that, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love and, that. And that's analogy. that's literally what exhibitions feel like. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny as well too because I think the term curator, you know, um, um, you know, a lot of people talk about this when they're talking about curation, but it comes from the, the Latin curare to 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 care, you know. And I think that's always a, a great reminder of its derivation. It's about caring, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's about caring, and sometimes it feels like you know. It's uncool to care so much, you know, but but I'm someone who really does care, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I care. So essentially it's about caring. And if you care about something, you, you care about all the elements um, of that. You want that to happen. Um, curator as a term, though, has been, you know, um, definitely kind of hijacked. Um, oh, my God, it's totally hijacked, right? Yeah, like- <laughs> people talk about curating their social media profile or their winter wardrobe or, you know, um, um, they they assume that that curation is is solely about um, making creative decisions, and and it is you know it is it is that, but yeah. but it, but it, but it's a whole much more you yeah. know how much more. It's also about advocacy. It's also about presence. It's about you know, for me going to you know people's shows and showing support and talking to those artists about the work. That's as much part of the job as. As you know, saying where the painting should should, should, be, should go, yeah, what it should yeah. sit next to, yeah. and the lighting. There's also sort of like almost like a like a, a kind of pastiche of what a curator looks like, you know, like um, you know, do you strange, think you str- look like a curator? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, strange kind of clothes and like a kind of blonde wood desk with some impenetrable texts and like a, uh, an occasional plant and like a well-placed glass of water and some yeah. Scandinavian, you know, like there's all these kind of outward manifestations, but none of, none of that, you know, is ultimately interesting. You know, um, it really is about about art and, and artists and audiences yeah. and 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 being the kind of bridge to that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the analogy of, of of curators as being like DJs. You know, um, um, that that to me has always felt like the closest kind of analogy. You, you you're taking in lots of different kind of things and you're tying them together, but you're doing that not in isolation. You're doing that for a crowd, and you're responsive to the crowd. Mm. You know, you, you you it's not like you know, like professional DJs don't just like make their kind of playlist and and then just play that. They're, they're looking at the at the audience and, you know, um, there's different audiences and, yeah. and you respond to that. And when that, when those two things dovetail together perfectly, you know, when you're fat boy slim on Brighton Beach <laughs> and you drop that beat and everyone in unison and it just makes sense, that's what's, that's what's kind of... That's um, the peak moment. That's of, the peak yeah, moment. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, it. you yearn for that as a, as a curator that yeah. you know that, that this is actually 
had an impact and you know and 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 it is it is infrequent i remember we we did a a show um by an artist um abdul rahman abdullah at alaska a solo show i know is he a sculptor yeah sculptor yes yeah, yeah. i've seen him i think i've seen there was an abc story i think about him and sure. his family yeah 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 incredible family his father was a halal butcher and he made this sculpture of a lamb carcass that that hung in the in the gallery which is in the basement of the car park and made all the floor white and everyone sort of had to take their shoes to enter. So it's just this kind of look like a carcass yeah. of meat hanging, but it was all sculpted. And um, it seems like such a simple thing, but it was incredibly effective. Like people, um, it really had an impact. And, and we had a lot of visitors that came to that and then came back and then came back and bought people. Um, and it was not like on paper something that you would think would have that impact, but it, but yeah. it really, really had this this sort of disproportionate impact so as someone who facilitates exhibitions that's an incredibly rewarding um experience yeah, yeah. that is awesome and so with the gallery at Wulara you there was an expression of interest um situation earlier in the year that's and right. then everyone applied to you and you have decided how did you go about whittling that the expressions of interest into your show yeah, well, it was so the, there was a, a panel that assessed the applications, yep. and um, you know, it's not so much about that binary of like yes, no. It's more about sort of creating conversations between, like pairing up exhibitions. So the gallery itself has four galleries within it, mm-hmm. um, you know, four kind of small galleries, kind of spaces, yeah, that, spaces, okay, yep. yeah. So um, a lot of times it was looking for opportunities where this work might, you know, relate to someone oh, else's nice. work. Okay. Um, uh, whether that be thematically or stylistically, or in sometimes they they contrast, and that was um, by design. Um, but it's a space that we really want once again to be grounded in this sort of sense of welcome. Um, it's in this incredible precinct with a cafe, with a beautiful harbour beach. You There's know, a beautiful garden beautiful, outside. Beautiful as well, gardens. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we want people to come. You know, have a swim get a coffee, yeah. come and look it up. We want to take away that kind of thing of like, oh, I've got to be dressed up and I've got to be, yeah, yeah, you know, nice. we, we just want people <laughs> to enjoy. Um, and I think, you know, as we come out of, hopefully as we come out of, um, the, you know, the, the COVID, you know, um, pandemic and start to get more freedom of movement and people, you know, increasingly, you know, of all ages start to get out more. I think those kind of spaces uh, outside of the home become incredibly important to people. Um, it's interesting with that particular site, it being the former library, that site is in people's imagination. I mean, for me, you know, it, it was it was the place where I learned to read. Oh, you know, it's as, it, it's as yeah. fundamental as that, yeah. you know. And it was also a place. So I, I, w- I went to Double Bay Public down the road and I would go there every day after school and then my mum would pick me up later in the day. So I sort of had like two, three hours of freedom per day where, you know, I can wander around those grounds. I can... I can get whatever book I want, right? Yeah. I can look at yeah. a book about medieval armor or I could, you know, yeah. And it, and it was this sort of place of discovery and wonderment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, really keen um, working with the, you know, the larger cultural team at, at Council to, to deliver that. But also to, to kind of tie in all the incredible stuff that happens in that part of Sydney around art, around you know. Yeah, having, you know, words in commercial galleries, you know, people – the gallerists get that not everyone who walks through the door wants to buy something, and that's yeah. okay. Like, yeah. you know, you want people to interact with art, and people should be able to interact with yeah. art. It's a positive thing. Why do you think people do have that 
oh, I don't want to walk into that gallery or that intimidating kind of feeling. Yeah, it, it it's a hard thing for me to put my finger on, you know, not coming from that, that world. I, I always talk about it in reference to how art galleries are portrayed in Hollywood films. You know, in Hollywood films, you know, someone walks in and there's like people behind the counter with some kind of severe haircut and everything's quiet and they're unwelcoming and someone knocks something over and the art's kind of weird and they just can't wait to get out of there. You know, like that's yes, actually how yes. that's how contemporary <laughs> art is kind of. And I think for a lot of people, they potentially are intimidated by the conceptual kind of nature of it or this fear that oh, I'm not going to know what this means, mm. you know, or it's going to be boring mm. or, you know, comes back to that thing. Like for me as a curator and someone who studied art and worked in art and writes about art and talks about it I, I mean I still get that you know and I get that too you know when I walk into galleries and you know um, sometimes and people like ignore you and blah 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 you know when I travel and things like that so all the galleries that I've ever been involved with you know I'm really really big about um, this idea of uh, of a welcome and that's that, yeah. that's something that yeah. that we we had at, at MCA it was very much like you know, when people walk in your space, just acknowledging them, like yeah. just a nod or, and it's a tacit kind of, it's a tacit kind of acknowledgement that it's okay for you to be there, yeah, you know, okay. and that's an important thing because you want, you want people to feel comfortable to interact with cultural spaces. And, yeah. and that's a generative thing because if that happens in, in their local area, you know, when they go to Brisbane, they, 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 they go to, yeah, they go to Quagoma or they go to Adelaide, they go to the Arcali, South Australia, they feel yeah. confident because it can be intimidating, you yeah. know, and, um, and I get that. Like, I haven't been to a lot of dance in my life, you know, like dance performances. Okay. And I've got some friends that are really into it and yeah. I, and I got every once in a while, but I'm, I'm kind of intimidated because <laughs> I don't really know what I'm looking at or what to look for. Okay. I don't necessarily know. Is this good or is this bad <laughs> or you know I don't well, know when to clap. You say that. I mean, so is it good or is it bad? It's funny you say that because isn't the question more how does it make you feel? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I try to when I go to dance, that's what I try to tune in yeah. uh, to. You know, and uh, for me, someone who talks too much, someone who you know <laughs> is kind of you know very kind of active, you know, yeah. doing a million things, actually just to have one hour where I sit and I consider the way people are moving through space is such a joy and such a pleasant experience. But I myself, like, I, that is available to me. I could go to that. I don't, like, unless my friends invite me, mm, I, 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 don't go along. I don't go along. So I get the thing, you know, but I think it's everyone's responsibility to work in, who works in art, you know, to, to do that. And right now people are listening to us driving along in their car, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's that thing that, you know, things like this are about that as well. And it's just having a firm belief that everyone should have the, you know, the, the right to sort of access art. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting to me during the pandemic is, you know, I'm a huge football fan and, you know, I really missed. There was as a, in, sorry, like uh, soccer. Soccer, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a huge um, kind of period there where there was no soccer and I was watching um, Belarusians. There was the only... Yeah, it was you one were getting team your from, soccer fix Yeah, somehow. I was watching yeah. the Belarusian League because that was the only football that was on, Yeah, like a tragic. And people sort of audibly kind of talked about how how much they, they miss live sport and going to sport and things like that. But equally, people also talked about cultural spaces, yeah. you know. And, and I think people sort of had a realisation that, oh, actually, you know, that museum that I pop into every once in a while on my lunch break, you know, just to clear my head, 
wow, I can't, I, you know, I there's, can't go there. I can't go there. Yeah. yeah. And these spaces do become these incredible third spaces, you know, like like libraries, like art galleries and stuff. They're there for people. And I think particularly in inner city living where you are more likely in an apartment or a smaller space. So beautiful public spaces that you can access, definitely. That's, that's almost your lounge room or your sitting room. Yeah. And I also think they're incredible spaces for talking about cities, um, particularly to, you know, international visitors. I don't think that can be underestimated, like the impact of, you know, when, when things open back up and people start flying here from overseas again, one thing that people do, like one thing I definitely do and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends do, you know, when they travel is they go to a museum, right? You know, yep. They'll go. My dad, who's not particularly interested in art, he, w- he would do that. You know, even though he, he might not in Sydney, he would do that sort of overseas. Abroad. Yeah, because yep. it's something particularly that isn't necessarily based on language. So if you don't speak French, you can still go to the Louvre and you yeah. can still appreciate yeah. uh, what's going on. That becomes a really important thing about talking to those visitors about our identity and where we come from. But also to initiatives like I couldn't believe and this not to be mean to my poor dad, but he said, uh, oh, your mother and I are going down to Hobart. We're getting a car driving around Tasmania. We're going to start off at Moda, visit the winery, have dinner there, see the exhibition. And I was like, my dad's going to Mona? You know, like what? You know, but it it was that sort of tie-in of all of those things that made that okay for him. He gets that. He gets wine. He gets restaurants. He, you know, and he's interested in seeing, and he's interested in the backstory about how- I was going to say the backstory of Mona is Yeah, how that thing was built. Mm. And you look at something like that, that has completely, you mm. know, I, I was going to Hobart pre-Mona and, and, and post-Mona, you know, when you get a cab from the airport, oh, you'll be visiting Mona whilst you're here. It's like it has transformed that city and that that's the power of those kind of spaces. Yep. In the gallery, other than it being a welcoming space and a space that's really accessible to a wide range of people, how else will you judge success of the gallery? It's an interesting question. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it, it is a gallery that is, you know, for, for the community. It's a council gallery, so literally it comes from the support of the community. So yeah. I think that one of the key things for success will be the kind of diversity of artistic offerings. So really having a diverse range of kind of exhibitions for people to interact with. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about like mediums, you know, yeah, okay. but even work that deals immediately with the local area, work that deals with, the, you know, national things, work that deals deals with the environment, like having that diversity of kind of ideas, the idea that every time that people come, they might have this opportunity to experience something different. The sort of shell or the skeleton remains the kind of same, but the content kind of changes. That's a really amazing thing. But in that actual building, like these spaces are woven in there. Like we've got this incredible um, little reading room in the sort of off the, the gallery space, which is amazing because the building itself, uh, the building's called St. Bridget's and it was an old an old sort of grand home that okay. a, like a family lived okay. there. And it's really interesting because the scale of a lot of galleries are very kind of like domestic in scale. They're like mm. rooms, you know. And uh, there's this one room which we're, we're making like just a reading room, oh, which is sweet. sort of celebrating reading yeah. and I guess kind of honouring the, you know, the history of that building as a place of learning, as a library, yeah. but a sort of a space where you can just come and um, read. Yeah, read. yeah, yeah. Which I think, you know, in this day and age is an incredible thing yeah. to uh, 
to have. So once again, everything is not just geared about like looking at paintings. It's yeah. about the whole kind of experiential thing. Uh, another marker of success is people feeling proud of, of their mm-hmm. gallery and, and bringing their friends and all those kind of things that say that they feel connected to it. And, and that, that amazing community, that amazingly diverse community uh, in the Wallara kind of LGA feeling that it's a gallery that's representative of them, I of guess them. is, yeah, is, is a really, really uh, important thing. And we're so fortunate in that part of Sydney, you know, to be surrounded by so much natural beauty. And, yeah. You know, it's a uh, very physically beautiful area environmentally. Yeah. A reminder of, you know, that the history of that area, the pre-colonial history of that area as well too is really, really important mm. and significant and uh, and all of that will be celebrate, uh, yeah. celebrated in the gallery, yeah. Did you have expressions of interest from really experienced artists through to quite emerging artists? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. which was really lovely. Um, yeah, and it was just great to see. Yeah, it's just always great to hear from artists and hear about their yeah. their experiences and their kind of background. And yeah. um, and there was a really great response. And you know, once we open, we'll have another expressions of interest for the next round of kind of programming. And yeah. you know, we hope to sort of uh, build on that and create an exciting program. But um. Yeah, the world needs more kind of spaces that are not like shopping malls, you know, yeah. like that are, <laughs> yes, you know, that are, yes. you know, experiential yeah, thing. And that's why, absolutely. same kind of thing, like, you know, just down the road from it is Double Bay. And what makes Double Bay great is that it, it really still has retained this kind of village, village kind of feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, you know, places like Glebe or Newtown. Or I think there's been a real return to that, you know, thinking about regional areas and country towns and um, not everything being about these you know, massive kind of shopping centers. There can be a diversity of experience and shopping local and yeah. and having local kind of experiences is a really powerful thing, regardless, you know, regardless of where you live. I think that's really important, like decentralizing culture for not just being in the city, that you have to go into the city and see that. I go out to, to Cameltown, to the Cameltown Arts Center. It's amazing and it's an incredible thing for that um, that community there. Yeah. And and for me, like I live a long way from Cameltown, but it's totally great to go it's, and experience uh, yeah, that. It's yeah. worth heading out there and checking it out. Yeah. If you had one piece of advice to artists trying to get into galleries, what would that be? I think with all artists, it's like spending time thinking about like what's important to you and, uh, and articulating that, not trying to uh, make your practice seem like more complicated than it is, you know, articulating what you do, what medium you work in and why you want to do things. Yep. One of the best bits of advice that I've heard about sort of getting ahead is is for artists to concentrate on their networks as well, like their artist networks with other artists, because we see this artists sort of can help other artists sort of mm. get ahead you're way better being in a group of artists and having that kind of support network rather than just being alone in your bedroom trying to get attention. Yeah, We're going into crazy kind of times. Like, I don't know if you've been following this whole um, NFT um, kind of digital art, oh, yes. art yeah, thing. That, that's, oh, my God. Yeah, yes. which, has been, which has been around for a while and, and in some ways like it's an extension of this idea of like multiples and this isn't necessarily like a new concept but the sort of exploitation of it in what is the nft stand for again non like, non-fungible token 
Um, what does that even mean? I, I, you know, it relates it relates back to uh, an inherent internal certificate of authenticity. So okay. it, yeah, that is sort of linked linked to the image itself. So it, it it sort of becomes a commodity, and that commodity can be traded, and it can escalate in value. So are people actually getting a piece of art, or are they just getting this code? Or like- yeah, they they they're getting an image that has this 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 um in, embedded. Yeah. I, so, I don't. I don't own any FTs, okay. so I don't know. And, and there's a lot of people who who know a lot more about it, so I don't want to talk yeah, too yeah, much sure, because because sure. I'll I'll definitely You'll sound like wrong, a uh, a Generation X kind of old man. Dude, but, you um, are Generation X. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't judge. I don't judge the validity yeah, of the yeah. work. You know, like this idea of trading commodity. It's interesting. Um, uh, but then is it art that art is a commodity to be traded? It's not a. Art has always been a commodity to be traded. Know, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. I have a like romantic notion about that. Actually, you buy a piece of art and then you you just keep it and you love it. And... Yeah, well, I think this is just a different way of buying a piece of art and keeping it and loving it. I did a talk recently, and one of the things that uh, that it was actually for a bunch of people in finance, and, and one of the things that came up was the. Um, Rizzo Catalan work, which was the the banana kind of taped to the wall oh, of yes, the art fair, yeah. and how that was, you know, multiple and, so, and they were just like, come. On. This was like proof to them that this was uh, yeah, the world is just yeah, the, the world is bananas, literally, right? <laughs> and you know, not not getting any of those kind of references of whether it be Warholian references or you know that that stuff back to like situational comedy of you know slipping out any of that kind of stuff they just were horrified by the fact that that's just a normal banana there's nothing special about that banana and the key thing is that all value all value is perceived value is not inherent it's about people's perception and market kind of forces and those finance people they deal in in that stuff all the time right futures trading mm. you know like all this kind of stuff a whole kind of economy is based on that and actually this nft thing coming out of things like the the game stonk um, share trading that occurred through online kind of platforms mm. and manipulating markets against hedge funds is a really interesting thing it's a, it's a type of citizen kind of you know, I know uprising I, I know right yeah, it's fun to see. I don't understand any you know like but um but there's an incredible energy there and the world uh, the world is changing talking about that romantic thing this idea of the the Stendhal syndrome where you're you're confronted by an artwork of such beauty that, you know, you're reduced to, you know, like that it has this profound effect on you. And I remember, you know, when I was young hearing about that and and then I went to Paris for the first time as a young man and I was in the Musée d'Orsay, which I'd always wanted to visit. And I turned a corner and there was a Degas work, you know, um, a, a girl in the tub. It was in my history of art textbook at school that that work you know yep. and um i turned the corner and i saw it and i had one of those like pure moments where i was absolutely breathless or yeah like yeah, i was yeah. te- i was in tears you know yeah, there's something about beautiful. the the fragility of that image yeah. and stuff i mean you know s- since i've kind of learned about degas and the problematic figure and you know all this kind of stuff <laughs> But at that time, it was it was it was a pure thing. That's that's a rarity. But the funny thing is, and I think we deal with this a lot in in contemporary art, is that I can tell you so many songs do that to me. You know, mm. like 
Yeah. If you were to play Mazzy Stars fade into you, I'd be like, oh, Wilhelmina Bliss, just, you know, like, <laughs> it hurts. Maybe we need to insert some <laughs> yeah. of that in the clip. Yeah. In this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an yeah. interesting stuff. It's, it's yeah. the stuff of, yeah, I also uh, am a romantic and, yeah. you know, I also have that kind of, that kind of worldview and that kind of belief in art. People get it. Like, you go to anyone's home that has no decoration, I'm not talking about mm. artworks, just, just decoration. Yeah. You know, like, yep. you know, whether it be a signed football jersey, mm. whether it be photos of your kids, whatever. We as people have this need to decorate the spaces that we live in in some kind of way. Yeah, It's a sort of a primal yeah. thing. You know, we, we do that. And I'm not passing judgment on whether or not you having a fo- your, your wedding photos or a Maurizio Catalan battle, you know, <laughs> banana or a, you know, South Sydney Rabbitohs signed jersey is any more relevant or, or, or yeah. not. It's about how you choose to live in your space. And I think that one interesting thing that has come out of out, out of COVID is that people have spent a lot more time in their living spaces, mm. you know, and they're starting to think about their living spaces a lot mm. more and not necessarily about like renovating those spaces or whatever, but thinking about objects. It's like they've sort of been forced to kind of curate their kind of spaces. Yeah. You know? And what I found from talking to a lot of people who were, you know, like heavily kind of locked down, particularly people in Melbourne, mm. is that um, really it was almost like a spiritual thing of getting rid of stuff, you know, like mm. there was this real kind of thing of, I came to the conclusion I don't need all this stuff. I'm so burdened by all this stuff. Mm. You know, I want to get rid of all this stuff. One of my friends talked about like finally throwing out this drawer in its entirety, which was old technology, like oh, his yes. old Nokia phone chart. You're like, oh my God, like, everyone has one yeah, of those why, drawers. Why, right? <laughs> why am I keeping on to this? You know, and so people thinking about yeah, about spaces. Space. So yeah, and I think that it's such a powerful thing. The spaces that we live in for our moods, you yeah. know, and for mental health and for things. And that's why art spaces, they, they can provide that relief from that. There was a beautiful image I saw the other day, I think it was in Belgium of a, a terminally ill older lady, you know, yeah. who's at the end of her life. And yeah. her last request was to go and look at this particular um, artwork. Yeah, artwork in a oh. museum. They wheeled her in in the oh. bed and, and she died. Like, oh, yeah, 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 oh no, yeah. But that's what okay. she wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what she wanted to. Sorry yeah. to bring the, no, bring the no, tone down. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah that's, okay. that's the power of that kind of stuff. Okay, before we get into the quick fire five, just some quick questions. When is the Red Leaf Gallery opening? We're still working through uh, the gallery, so it'll, okay. be, it'll be open this year towards the end of the towards year. Towards the end of 2021. Yep. Perfect. Where can people stay across? What is happening there? Is there an Instagram channel? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So either through Willara Council's website um, or or through the gallery website or um, through our social media. So we're on... um, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, at Wallara Gallery at Redleaf uh, or Wallara Council. Perfect. Your work in Adelaide that is coming out next year. Yep, yep. Where can people stay across that? Um, at the Art Gallery of South Australia uh, Instagram or uh, through through my own personal Instagram, uh, Sebastian Goldspink. Okay. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And that's sort of in March next year. That's is right. The... Okay. Quick fire five. Okay. So, so what is this? You, this you is ask- just like quick five questions. Yep. Okay, because my ethos is, and this I kind of started this for the artists, is that the more personal you know the artist, the more personally you kind of feel you know the artist, I feel the greater the connection you have with work. So you can walk into a place I agree. and you can see their beautiful painting, but if you know a little bit about that person, you would love that painting even more. Sure. This is getting to know you a little bit more so that people can then love your work a little bit more. 
Sebastian is giving me this grin no, no, no. that is just like, oh my I god. I mean, sometimes when you when you find out more about people, you like their work. <laughs> but um, no, that I'm up, so I'm up for it. Let's okay, go. Cool. And how oh. how quickly do I have to respond? Like it's immediately. Just like, it, well, Institu- it's, yeah, kind of immediately, and it's just like one or two word responses. Okay. I got it. What's your star sign? Gemini. Favorite snack? Uh, chicken lettuce and mayonnaise sandwiches. Last Instagram feed you followed? Either. Uh, an art one, a Scottish football one, or a skateboarding one. I love it. Um, band you played to death in your 20s? Uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain. The what? Sorry? The Jesus and Mary Chain. Okay, yeah. From Scotland. Okay. Yeah. yeah. First, last, or never on the dance floor? Uh, between, I think, the, like, all, all of the above sometimes. You know, yeah, all, all of <laughs> the above. Depending yeah, on yeah. how many drinks, what's the occasion? It, it, what's no, the... no, it's it's never about, like, being inebriated to the point that I lose inhibition again on the dance floor. It is always about um, the the music, you know. Okay. It is always solely about the music. Okay. So, dead sober, you know, three beers in, it doesn't matter. <laughs> My friend Leo Tanoi uh, is an incredible uh, DJ. Any event that I go to that Leo plays, it doesn't matter. I will dance. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like he 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 sees into my soul. I yeah. love that. Oh my God. that is so <laughs> yeah, awesome. and, and Sveta, DJ Sveta as well. Shout out to Sveta and shout out to Ms. Risk as well too. All some of my favorite. They uh, all DJ. see into your soul yeah. and can get you dancing on the dance hall like a puppet master. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Sebastian Goldsmith, thank you so much for joining us. It has been wonderful. Thank you very much, Wilhelmina. 